Go ahead, grab a seat. <clears throat> Good morning. Uh, my name is, is Tim. We're so glad to have uh, you here with us this morning. Um, I have the, the pleasure of serving as the, the campus pastor um, here at, uh, at our, our Shawnee campus. Um, in addition to, to serving here um, in, in this role, um, I serve along with all of our campus pastors and our, our senior pastors um, together. And so um, this morning is going to be a bit of a unique um, Sunday. So if you're a guest with us in particular, this is a little bit of a, a unique Sunday um, for us. Um, that a couple of times a year, we, um, at, on behalf of our elder leadership team, our senior leadership team, um, have what we like to call a family conversation as, as a church. That's sort of a window into what we see God doing here and, and what we hope for um, God to do in, in our church, um, both in the past as well as, as what's coming um, ahead. And so if you're a guest, this isn't a normal Sunday, and yet we feel like this is a really good Sunday for you to peel back a little bit um, into who we are as a church. You get to see the insides um, a little bit, whatever that means. It sounds kind of creepy, actually. Um, but uh, see a little bit who we are and what we're, what we're about. Um, and so for those of you who, who this is your church home, um, we hope especially you'll be energized and encouraged by what you'll hear and what we'll talk about um, this, this morning. The, the in particular, was about uh, a year ago where um, our senior pastor, Tom, gave a, a devotional to um, to those of us on staff at, at Christ Community. And uh, it was a really encouraging time. And in particular, he referred to um, a guy named Jonathan Edwards, who was a pastor in the 1700s, who, who used this phrase of his own life, um, a, a surprising work of God. And some called us to, to pray for that as a church, that God would use Christ Community, or that God through Christ Community would do a, a surprising work. And, and the reason Edwards used that phrase is, is during his own life and ministry, there was a bit of a revival um, in his community, um, on the college campus that he was um, around and a part of, that, um, that he saw God change people in dramatic ways. He saw people become more humble, more engaged with, with the word, with the scriptures. Their lives just changed in powerful um, ways that were unexplainable. And, and Edwards called it a surprising work of God. And so that's what we've been praying for as a staff. For me personally as a pastor, what I've been praying for, that God would do a surprising work through us and through this church. And so Christ Community, we've been a church for 26 years. Um, now we here in Shawnee obviously have only been around for nine months of those 26 years. Um, but we are here in Shawnee because at our 20th anniversary as a church, we wanted this third decade of existence at Christ Community to be a decade of deployment. Um, where we sent out, where we didn't turn in, where we, where we, we sought to give ourselves away um, for our, our city and for those around us. And so we, we've been doing that for the last five, six years, being, trying to be a church about multiplication, about multiplying churches, multiplying disciples, and multiplying leaders. And the result is, is us being here. That in the last six years, we've gone from two campuses to five. Um, and, and no one expected that. No one was planning for that at Christ Community. That was a definite surprising work of God. And it would have been fun for us to bring all five of our campus pastors here, um, and as, long, as well as our, our senior pastors, but that's logistically not possible to do that in five locations um, at, one, at one particular time. And so this, about a month ago, we decided instead of trying to make that happen, let's do what's, what's easier, which is let's pull us all together, get us around a table, and, and shoot a video, just kind of a discussion of where God has been and where we think he, he's leading. And I hope one thing you'll see is, is just the uniqueness of, of who we are as a church, um, that you're going to see five very young um, people like myself, um, early 30s, who are charged with the leadership of each of our, our campuses, and yet two senior leaders who have carved out space for us to enter in and lead. And that's very unique 
um, as a church to have two senior leaders who are pouring their lives into us and who provide the space for us who are younger to lead. So we hope you get a glimpse into our world um, as a church, how we function um, a little bit in this video. I mean, to be honest, the video is a little longer than we tend to, to show around here. That's what happens when you get seven pastors on a camera. We just start talking and we don't shut up. And so we talked for a long time. And so it's a little bit, a little bit longer than, than usual. And, and yet I hope what you are about to see is, is one of my favorite parts uh, of, of working here, that, that these are some of my best friends. I'm not just the people that I work with. Um, these are the mentors who have, have given themselves um, to, to my own life and to my own leadership, both our senior leaders and our campus pastors. And these are some of the best leaders you could just find, period, in, in any um, place or location. And these guys that you're about to see on, on screen have spoken into the life of this campus, whether you've seen them here on Sunday morning or not. They're a huge part of why we're here, why we exist. And so let's take a, take a look. Let's watch this together, and I hope you're, you're encouraged as you get to peel back a little bit into who we are um, as a church. Well, it's great to be together and get a little bit of chance to talk with one another and kind of look back and look forward. And Tom, we sit here. I, I remember six years ago, I think, we, as we headed into this third decade as a church, uh, we said we hoped that this third decade of Christ community first decade of development and the second decade of deepening. We wanted this thir third decade to be defined by this word of deployment. And we sit here with these campus pastors and I just wonder, and I'd love to hear from all of you, but just, you know, Tom, get us started. As you look back over the last six years, what surprised you? You know, where you sit right now, what surprised you about the way God has worked through our hope and dream that this, uh, this decade would be defined by the, this word of deployment? Yeah, we said, you know, we wanted to give ourselves away rather than turn inward at this stage because churches often do that. Yeah. And I think what's really surprising and encouraging and invigorating to me is that in God's faithfulness and our humble obedience, God is continuing to expand us and to give ourselves away in greater ways than multiplication. I just look around this table and I think of all the changes, all the good changes of God's faithfulness. Each one around this table is evidence of not only the new phase we're in in terms of leadership, but a new stage of de deployment and faithfulness to God. And it's just so amazing. From the very beginning, we've seen God's faithfulness. To my think of Tim, you at Shawnee, just our newest campus, uh, and your leadership there, Bill at Brookside, and all that God is doing there. I mean, how exciting then. And Nathan, your great work at Olathe for these years. Gabe in downtown, uh, how exciting to see what you are doing and the creativity and uh, Andrew taking the lead at Leewood. It's just so thrilling to see, and I know for you too, Kevin, that our leadership team is expanding, and this is not only good for our mission, but it's so deep to Christ's community that we have all these wonderful leaders. As you guys lead with integrity, part, and skillful hands, it's very encouraging. I don't know if that's surprising as much as it's invigorating to me, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, particularly, I mean, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more. There's this, we've used this language around here that there's this gravitational pull to focus more on ourself uh, and I think as we were even thinking about this third decade, just really working to fight that gravitational pull to more of a self-centered way of thinking about church and, and not being active and giving ourselves away. And, and I think part of what surprises me, and maybe it's my lack of faith, you know, but uh, it, it is the acceleration level of our multiplication that we said we wanted to give ourselves away, and I think we really did, but I think God's really taken us at our word, yeah. and he's really stretching us, yeah. and we're multiplying yeah. and deploying at a level, I guess, again, I wouldn't have anticipated this rate of acceleration, and it truly is amazing, uh, a tribute to God and to yeah. and what God is doing. Yeah, you all have been involved in this in a variety of ways and lengths of time, so maybe I'd love for you to jump in too, and as you look back, as campus pastors, you look back over the last six years, uh, whatever length you've experienced of that, what surprised you? 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I look back even, even before this third decade started, because um, we started the Olathe campus nine years ago. And I mean, that was nine years. <laughs> yeah, nine years. And, and that was you know, the Leewood campus stepping out in faith and beginning this, this heritage for all of us to be a part of and, and to continue to see the growth and the energy at Leewood and the ways that that has, uh, yeah, that it's just sort of trickled down in, into all of us in the way that we continue to, to give ourselves away. It's, just, it's, yeah. it's our culture uh, now as a church. And, you know, so I'm surprised even just looking, looking back, having been with this, when we started multi-site, we had, we had no idea if it was going to work. Uh, we didn't know if we were making a terrible mistake. Yeah. Um, we were told by many that it wouldn't work, yeah. right? I didn't think it would work. <laughs> I, was, I was convinced that it wouldn't work. Um, I, think, I think our first uh, planning meeting, right, you, you told me this is a horrible yeah, idea. Yeah, and then I just needed a job. And so uh, can't be that bad. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm surprised by that, surprised that we get to do that. And now, now honestly, that I, I get to, to, to work with some of my closest friends. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a treat. Yeah. Well, and even to fast forward, nine years later, you going from the skeptic to having this moment at the Olathe campus where we announced we're going to plant not just out of the Leewood campus now, but out of Olathe. Leewood's going to have their first granddaughter uh, church. Mm -hmm. And our expectation, this is going to take a long time to build up, get people excited. And, and two months later, we had 120 people ready to jump in. Yeah, and so yeah, we start yeah, yeah. Shawnee in January instead of, of August or even the, a year later in January. So we're able to start six, faster. Six months uh, accelerated, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. And, and to be a part of that church service, hearing Nathan to preach and send out people out of his church. I mean, we, you know, we don't want to preach bad sermons, have people leave. We preach a good sermon <laughs> and have 120 people leave. And that was just this incredible moment, people walking up to me and saying, I've never heard a pastor preach like that and be committed to this new work in this new place. It was an amazing moment. And a powerful reminder of just the amazing God we serve. I mean, I know at Olathe, sending out, what was it, 100 people, and within six months, right? That yeah. We've replaced yeah. eight months, nine months. Yeah, and added on top of that at Olathe mm -hmm. to see that kind of growth. We know it's not Nathan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that we really do serve an amazing, no, in all seriousness, I love, um, that's amazing. Fair. Yeah, that's um, fair. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, to no, see God bless absolutely. this strategy that um, we, we think we agreed with, but to see him bless it has just been incredible. Yeah. 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 And alongside of all of that is just the amazing generosity that God has continued to stir within this congregation. I remember one of the first times as a fellow, like I came to my first elder meeting, I'd heard of deacon meetings, I'd heard of elder meetings, leadership team meetings, and I'm expecting, okay, here's the agenda, here's a certain complaint and so on. And I step in and I find these dynamic leaders. And one of the first topics on the table was this monumental gift to start a whole new campus in Brookside. And I thought, where am I? <laughs> I remember leaving with Tom and Kevin and some of the other fellows and thinking, every elders meeting is amazing. You know? And they said, yeah, kind of. But, you know, was, and you but, learned quickly. <laughs> no, but, but in the midst of that, we've seen God's generosity through yeah. his people just yeah. continue to stir and really fuel this mission. That's been really surprising for me. Yeah, and one of the amazing things is I have been involved in starting the downtown campus, ended up going to do the work of leading the Brookside campus, and Gabe had joined us as a, as a fellow in downtown. And what allowed that shift to happen was just really God's incredible positioning of Gabe as a leader, as a fellow in downtown. He had a heart and desire to work in a city center. And one of the things that has just amazed me is not just that Gabe had that heart, that desire, and was in the right place, 
but truly watching from afar now what he's doing mm -hmm. in, uh, in downtown and seeing he's a better fit in that role than I would have ever been, which is just an amazing thing uh, to see happen. And so, um, Gabe, it's just it's a treat to get to watch you lead and work there um, and would have just never expected it to be so beautiful and how God has, has orchestrated these, these You roles. and me both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember when we, when we were thinking of Brookside and the, the idea came up of possibly Bill in that spot and, you know, and looking and thinking... We can't do that because of the goodness of downtown. Mm -hmm. And yet to recognize that, I mean, I'd love to say it was a grand plan. Uh, like it was a grand plan. It wasn't ours. It just wasn't ours. That God had something at work back behind there yeah. in the preparation of Gabe it's coming humbling. in. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's fun to, when you get a chance to stumble into that. Mm -hmm. And that feels like in many ways that's the history of Christ's community. We we. We, we don't know how we got there, but somehow or another, God was at work <laughs> yeah. just yeah. in spite of us, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so let's think about the future. And I'd love for you guys all to uh, chime in a bit on this question. Um, as you look forward now to the next five to ten years, um, I don't know if this is the right question, but what are ways you're hoping you will be surprised? Um, I guess it wouldn't really be surprised if you're hoping for it. But um, just think forward a bit and, you know, let's... Just have a bit of conversation. What would, what, in what ways are you hoping that God might surprise you? Well, and one thing we're doing really soon uh, is, is focusing more on integrating our faith and work and how does our faith impact our work. Yeah. And, and not just in how we think about our own Christian lives, but how we serve and love our city through our work. Mm. And so we're st starting a series on that really mm. soon to help us unpack that. I'm really excited about that. And obviously, related to that is this whole made to flourish thing. And uh, we shared a little bit about that. Um, I think we all know what it is, right? Um, but uh, this incredible opportunity God's given us, it's still so new. I would love to see in five years made to flourish really having a national impact and equipping pastors yeah. Yeah. Uh, to do this faith and work integration in their churches all over the country. And one of the things I love about this, too, is we've always been about trusting God to multiply leaders yeah. and yeah. disciples, right? Yeah. And churches. Yeah. And what we're seeing too is something we wanted to do for quite a while. And Kevin, you know that yeah. we've been praying about this mm -hmm. is how do we help bring leadership development into the life of everyday life and vocations of everyone. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about the Kansas City Fellows Program and the Kansas City Fellowship Initiative is to create this one year exposure for younger students who are coming out of college mm -hmm. to press into the vocation that God's calling them to in an integrable way in the local church and families. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just really thrilled that we are not only developing people who are called to the pastoral vocation, but to all of life vocation. Yeah. Yeah. It's something we wanted to do. And now with the cancer, and part of that is a partner we've had so deeply in our hearts and committed to is Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. All of you are a part of that. And, mm -hmm. and, and we, I've served on the board and we've been working and part of the Kansas City Fellows Program allows us again in, in multiple other ways to bring an extension site of Trinity. Yeah. So Trinity is gonna come here and we're gonna have a theological educational center mm -hmm. that will allow us to expand and our mission in developing leaders, multiplying disciples, and multiplying churches. Yeah, yeah it's really yeah. amazing to think of the possibilities, mm. you know, in both of those. But even thinking of the Kansas City Fellows, I remember mm. when we first heard that idea, there was this statistic that was uh, shared with us that 60% of the people who go through that program stay connected in that community 
in that local church. Mm-hmm. And just to think, you know, again, looking back at the long history of our pastoral fellows program, yeah. to think of the Kansas City fellows over the next 10, 15 years to have 100 plus um, people investing in the marketplace, investing in our city that mm-hmm. started well. I mean, that's, yeah. it's really powerful to think of the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Somebody else, somebody else jump in. Yeah, I think uh, kind of picking up on this idea of investing in our city and even beyond that into our world, one of the things that I think there's a potential for God to really surprise us in, in ways that we can't even fully imagine now is as we've grown from one campus to, to five, um, we have an opportunity to be reaching out into our city and around the world in ways that we never could have imagined six years ago. And I think we've done some new uh, strategy work, both as it reflects in in global outreach, global uh, extension ministries, as well as as ongoing work in local. And I'm just eager to see what's in store for us there um, is five campuses deployed across our city. I think the opportunity to impact our neighborhood as well as to have real yeah. relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ around the world yeah. uh, is just an area of, of real potential surprise for us and joy. Yeah. Well, and, and a piece of that too is even as, as I thought about what, do, what I hope for Christ community in the future is, is praying. One of the things I regularly pray for is people who don't know Jesus to meet yeah, yeah. And, and come yeah, to faith yeah, yeah. in Jesus. And I know that's something we've talked about and prayed mm-hmm. for, that as we live in a, a world that increasingly, especially our culture, increasingly just church and Jesus isn't a part of, of people's mm-hmm. lives. We long mm-hmm. for that. We pray for that. We'd be present in our neighbors, mm-hmm. neighborhoods and neighbors' lives and that they would meet Jesus through our church, through our people scattered about our city mm-hmm. and come to faith in Christ. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's, that's, that's why we plant churches. That's yeah. why we continue mm-hmm. to do that and want to be a part of that. And, you know, I don't... I don't know what that's going to look like, right? None of us do. And, um, but I get excited thinking about uh, additional campuses. And, and who knows when, who knows how. And the last thing we want to do is get ahead of God. But um, you have to see those people coming to faith in Jesus and being able to connect into a community in their neighborhood. Um, that gets me really excited. Not because, not because we're, we're great or we've got it figured yeah, out, but because yeah. uh, new churches reach, reach new people. Uh, yeah. And we want to do that. Yeah. And with that, I mean, just thinking back once again to that first time sitting in an elder meeting and hearing how God laid on someone's heart this radical generosity to continue to fuel the mission of multiplication, mm-hmm. specifically in facilities and how that becomes a gathering space and where private faith, or faith becomes very public within a community. Mm-hmm. I think it's me very excited about when we think about a space for Shawnee and looking for this more permanent and public space mm-hmm. where others can gather and it can become a ministering space for the broader community. I think about that for downtown and for future campuses or even Olathe's expansion, expansion. expansion yeah. Olathe. as you guys continue yeah. to blow the roof yeah. off your place. I mean, as we think about yeah. these things and how God works through the generosity of his people, it's, it's exciting to imagine what could be in five, ten years. Yeah. Well, I know I speak for Tom in saying that it's a great joy to work together and I think that's one of the great treasures for us for me in particular that uh, the way God has brought this team together and to be able to share um, this journey with each of you. So I know it's a little weird to watch a video in church let's just be honest right especially weird when you're on the video well, I gotta be honest with you, my beard looks awesome uh, on video. Um, I, may, I may not have any hair on my head, but it's all on my face, and it's, it's beautiful. Um, that was weird. Uh, anyway, um, I, I, my, hope, my big hope in, in, in you watching that, that you take away, is that um, man, what a cool church to be a part of, and a church in particular that 
we are committed to not turning inward and staying outwardly focused. And, and that, that's going to mean giving ourselves away. It's going to mean not our own comfort and not our own um, church as we want it, but a church for our communities and for our, our city. And so God, uh, we're praying that he would continue to, to surprise us. And I have to tell you, just as someone who moved here two years, four months ago, um, and, and getting into the, the Penske truck, loading it all up, um, hitting a light pole, and then making it down to Kansas City, um, I had no idea what was in store for us uh, when we, we got here. And to, to look back in the last couple of years, and to look back in the last nine months in this space with, with you guys, it's just God has blown us away in, in so many different areas. And, and we just wanted to, to spend a few moments, one, celebrating that, but two, looking ahead, where do we want to see God surprise us? And where do we want to see God work? So God, God calls us to continue forward in our mission. I think one thing that's important is that we're not, we're not approaching this as in air, any sort of arrogance or pride. Like we don't think we figured anything out, but we do think we serve a God who, who cares for his world and loves his world and wants to use his church to reach this world. And so we have confidence and we go forward with a sense of, of hopefulness because that's the God with whom we work. So as, as God calls us into our mission to multiply churches, multiply disciples, multiply leaders, what's it going to take? Right, how do we continue to be a place where we're giving ourselves away? And that's core to who we are. Well, if you, you have a Bible, turn to Joshua 1. Um, that's where we're going to be briefly this morning. And, and it's in the Old Testament. And even though their context is very different um, than our context, um, the words that, that God speaks to his people in that day are just as relevant for us to hear today. Those people in Joshua 1, they're about God's mission in the world. And we want to be about God's mission in the world as well. And so that means we need to listen in on these words for God's people in that day. And so this, this last summer we were in the life of Moses, Deliver Us, was that, that series. And, and Joshua is the man whom God had raised up to replace Moses at Moses' death. And so here, God's people, they're on the cusp of entering the promised land, entering into promises that have been made long time ago to Abraham. And Joshua, standing at the edge of this land, has this moment with, with God where God speaks in his life and says, Moses, or Joshua, here's what I want you to be, be about. Here's where I want you to go. And so there's lots of things we could say about these nine verses we're going to look at this morning, but we really want to center in on, on three things we want to be about as a church, three things that, that need to set our direction and our compass as we go forward. One, um, we need to let God set the mission. Two, we need to let God have our fears. And three, let God be our courage. So God set the mission, God have our fears, God be our courage. So let's start with, we need, God must set the mission um, for us. And we, this is clear all over the place, but let's look at verses one and two to begin. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. That God is, is telling Joshua what, he, what he's to go and do, what, he's, what his life is to be about. Go into this land. And then the next few verses, he lays out um, all the different lands that, that Joshua is to go into. But then in verse 5, we begin to unpack what jo Joshua's life is supposed to be about, what the people of Israel's life is supposed to be about. Here's what, what God says. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law, all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, 
that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I hope you don't miss God's primary command to Joshua here in this this moment, which is to pay heed to the book of the law, to center his life into the scriptures, to meditate on them day and night, that God had spoken and God says to Joshua, you are to live and dwell in that word. That God is the one who sets the mission for his people, the one who sets the agenda through his scriptures, through his word. And this should be true for all of us who are Christians in whatever context we're in, whether it's our workplace, whether it's our home, whether it's our neighborhood. God sets the mission for which you are called to live through his word. That God sets the agenda, not us. And so the last thing we want to be about as a church is to get ahead of, of God or to be led by ourselves into a place God has no interest and going into it, it's one of the reasons why I love our church so much is because you will never, there'll never be a moment when Tom goes up on the mountain somewhere and comes back down and says, all right, this is what we're about now. God, God's saying we're going to do this this week. Or I'm not going to go up on the mountain and cut back down and say, this week, all right, guys, here's what we're doing. We're canceling church. We're going to watch playoff baseball and, and NFL all day. Like, that's what God would tell me to do. It'd be a terrible church, a terrible mission. That's not what sets the agenda or the mission for us. It's God's word is what sets the agenda for us. So we must be a church who continually and perpetually resides in his scriptures, meditates on them day and night. That sets the direction for where we are headed. And my hope is, is if you're a Christian or not a Christian, this would even be encouraging to you. Or that a lot of times people who, who take the Bible seriously are thought to be the most crazy or the most outlandish or the most out there. And yet I would say, this, if this is true, right, if God's word sets the agenda for our lives, it means we're fundamentally different than everyone else in our culture. And everyone else has something to say and is going to say it and is going to say it at the expense of, of everyone else around them. Right? And we live in a culture that just yells at each other and it's, everyone's right and everyone's smart and everyone knows it all. But if, if we are Christians and people of this book, it means we have a fun, fundamentally different posture. We don't set the agenda. We have nothing to say, but God has spoken and we are listeners. Our confidence is not in ourselves, in our wisdom in our capacities, in our own giftedness, our, our hope and our strength is in the fact that God has spoken and we are called to listen. And so as people encounter us in their neighborhoods, in your workplace, at your home, they should encounter a people of humility. People who, are, are, who live by the conviction that God has said something worth saying and not me. And so I'm listening to that word. I'm, I'm, I'm engaging that word in meditation day and night. That word sets the direction for my life. That people would look at us and see people of humility, but that they also would look at us and see people of conviction. Because God has spoken. And I must follow wherever he leads. Whatever he said is smarter than what I would come up with on my own. So I need to listen and adopt a posture of convicted humility. God has spoken, but I am not God and I must follow. So we must, as a church, remain centered in this book. I hope that's encouragement. I hope that's not a surprise to you. Right? I hope that's a part of why you're here. If you're a Christian, if this is your church home, your home, because this sets our mission. This sets our, our direction. So that's, that's one. Where, who we, where we've been, where we want to go as a church is where, where we've always been in this book. But second, we, we want to let God have our fears. 
And I love this about Joshua 1, that, that Joshua had a lot to fear going forward. There were enemies, there were nations all around that wanted to attack Israel and, and destroy Israel. And yet God doesn't spend his time there. He just says, be strong, be courageous. Three times in four verses, be strong, be very courageous. And listen, the reality is we, we live in a world where there's a lot to worry about. There's a lot to fear. So let me just ask, what, what, what do you fear? Both in your own life, but as you think about us as a church, what, what are you afraid of? And we, we live in a very economically challenging time that if, if you have a job, it, it may be a frustrating job and you want to get out or you want to find something new or you, you can't find meaningful work. Our, our economy is not in good shape. But those of us attempting to raise kids are well aware of the, of the many fears all around us, right? Those live in our brains constantly. And that for us as a church, right, Christianity, I mentioned this on the video, Christianity is just far less plausible to people. They have questions, and to be honest, many churches have approached Christianity anyway. It's not very helpful, very judgmental and unkind and harsh. And that's the culture in which we live, people who have given up on Christ, the church, the gospel, in many cases because they've never heard it for the first time. We're in a very different starting place. And so there's a lot we can look at and be discouraged by or, or be weighed down by, and yet Joshua in this day, God speaks to him and says, don't worry about that. Be strong. Be courageous. There's plenty to fear. We could talk about that, and we will. But be strong. Be courageous. So let me just let you into some of my fears as a church as we look ahead. The, the one fear is obvious, right? It's, it's, I, I, I fear that we will meet in this gym every day for the rest of my life, right? I'll preach a sermon one day, I'll die in here, and then you'll bury me. You know, that, that every, more, every Sunday I walk in here, and I love this place, but let's be honest, this gym smells like a big foot, and I just think, I don't want to worship in a big foot the rest of my life. I don't enjoy that, all right? That's not where I want to be. And so that we've, we've prayed for a building, we've looked hard, we've done our research, we've, we've been diligent, but for whatever reason, God just hasn't provided that yet. And yet, if it's true that God's not done surprising us, then, then I don't live, or I can't live, I shouldn't live out of a, a space of discouragement or frustration, but out of an expectancy, expectancy and a hopefulness. God's going to move in his time, and I've got to follow and be patient and let him lead and not me. That's one fear. My a second fear I have for this place is, is just that we, I've just gone to churches where you go in, you go out. It's, it's, a, it's a show, it's a place where people just hang out, and, and, and there's no depth of community or relationship. And my longing for this space is not just for this just to be a place where people come in and have a good time and then leave. They get enough donut holes. They don't run out before second service is over. You guys tend to get the shaft. I'm sorry about that. We try our best, but someone eats all the donuts. I don't know who they are. But, but we come in, we, we come in, we go out. And that's not what we want to be as a church. We want to be a family where you're known, you're cared for, you're loved, you're encouraged. If life falls apart, we're there to surround you and to, to, to lift you up. Or if life is good, we're there to celebrate with you. And listen, I know that's hard to do in a church. It's much easier just to attract a crowd than to build a church. That's why I have to say, I'm already blown away. We're, as a church, we're at 10 community groups right now. It was funny, one of our senior pastors told someone, well, yeah, Shawnee, they don't even do community groups yet. And Andrew and I had to raise our hands. Actually, we have 10 community groups right now. And our, he was blown away that we're that. And that's not a testament to any work that, 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 that I've done. It's a testament to you, the desire for community, the desire for you to come into this space and have friendships and to be known and to be cared for and to know others and to care for them as well. And so that, that's one area I've been surprised and I pray for more as, as more people come in. We need to continually fight for that. This is a space, a family of encouragement, of prayer for and with one another. 
Another area where, where my fears can drive me is, is kids. I'm going to have two, a third one on the way, and, and, and I mean, I care about handing the gospel to the next generation. Starting a new church and doing children's ministry, which I had no experience in, I gave to Corey, who had never led a children's ministry before. And some of you as volunteers, you're doing this every week. You're like, I think, I think I'm doing it. I mean, I, I'm there. I'm present, right? But the reality is what's, what's been so encouraging for me to see since we started is that the book Sticky Faith, I think, is being lived out in, in our context, in our church. The book of Sticky Faith says, listen, if your kids are going to keep their faith past high school, the two most important things for them is, one, they worship with their families. Right? Kids worship with their parents in church. And two, is that they have adults around them who are encouraging them in a part of the faith. The bottom line is what makes our kids' ministry run is not dynamic teaching. It's adults who love kids and are, are present with them. And so I think every Sunday morning after we were done and we're tearing down and you have kids running around and adults playing with them and, and this, the chaos that's about to happen in this space in about 35, 40 minutes, that is our strategy for kids ministry. And I have to say, it's, it's probably far better than some dynamic programming or some dynamics, whatever we could do. We could hire all the staff in the world and probably not accomplish what we accomplish when we just hang out together after church tearing down. So that's also a plea for you to stay and help us tear down and leave your kids if you want your kids to stay Christians, tear down with us after. <laughs> I really mean that, but that does sound self-interested. Um, and to say to, to adults, listen, it, it's not just that, that you need to do a good work for them, but, but you, you need those kids in your life. So if you're a kid, if you're a child, if you're a student here, we need your presence in our lives to keep our faith. And, and, and adults, you need kids to serve, give. Don't, don't see that as, a, as an, an unnecessary part of, of your Christian service. That's a part of how you pass on the faith and you grow in the faith. Another fear of mine is generosity. We as a church, listen, we, we don't try to lay out some grand vision and say, this is where we're going in the next 10 years. We're going to do this many campuses or we're going to accomplish this. We don't, we don't, we don't do that, but, but we do plant churches with, with a sense of faith and hopefulness and the way we've planted churches in the last two, three years, adding three campuses in the last four years, tests our faith. Almost I, I love money. And I love the things that, that money can get for me. And yet if we're going to live into to God's mission for our church, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a radical generosity from us in, in this space. Right? It's not just that we want a building, and that's expensive, but we also we want to be a church that multiplies churches. Like We have a, a hope someday of Shawnee to send out a campus, to plant a new place in a new community. And to do that is going to take generosity from all of us committed to this mission. For people who give themselves away, not just your money, but that's a part of it, but your time, your talent, your treasure, to give it away for, this, for your neighborhood, for your community, to this church, so that we can continue to see God use that and multiply that. My greatest fear, it's the one I mentioned in the video, is just that we live in a culture where, where Christianity just is not as plausible as it, as it once was. Whether it's, it's our own fault as Christians and, and coming off in ways that, that are not faithful to the gospel, we're not preaching the gospel, we're preaching something else, politics or whatever it is. We live in a culture where just Christianity just isn't realistic, where Christians are looked down upon in ways that, that probably weren't true 30, 40 years ago. That Christianity to, to many just seems weird or repressive, strange. And yet, friends, we, we believe God's love is, is relentless, isn't it? And our hearts are not to be shaped by the way the world sees us, but our hearts are to be shaped by the way that God sees his world. 
Right? We're not a, we're, we as Christians, we're not to be, be fearful, afraid, discouraged by the world in which we live. We're to look at this world the way God looks at this world, which just says, that world deserves my own son's life on a cross. That's the God whom we follow. And so we look at this world not as, as there's no way people would come to faith. We look at this world as, as the harvest is ripe. There are people who are broken. There's injustice. There's poverty. There's all sorts of broken realities in this world. And you and I get to be a part of God's restoring work in his creation. We get to go to work on behalf of our God. So God is the one who sets the mission for us, not our fears. Finally, we need to let God be our courage. Now, the three times God says to Joshua, be strong, be courageous. But the emphasis isn't like on on Joshua, you better try really hard at being strong and courageous. God attaches a promise to this command so that Joshua could have his heart rightfully focused on why he could be strong and courageous in the face of his world. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's the promise. God says to Joshua, I will be with you wherever you go. And that's why we, live, we as a church, we live in expectation of God's surprise because we believe if we follow after him, God is with us and he can do anything he wants. He has no limitations. So here we all sit nine months into this, this new work and we don't know the specifics of what's going to come in, in the next nine months but we can be confident that God is going to surprise us because we serve a God who has promised to us through his own son, Jesus, who said to his disciples that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church's assault on it. And if you look at this world, you spend much time at all looking at this world. Hell is everywhere, isn't it? Whether it's, it's poverty or injustice, it's the forgotten in our society, those who are broken Broken down families, broken individuals, broken communities. There's brokenness all around. I mean, just open your eyes. Look, this place is a broken world. And yet Jesus tells his disciples, I have a gospel of restoration and a new kingdom breaking in. And you go and you take that into every corner of the world and nothing will stop it. And you look at 2,000 years of church history, and that has been proven true over and over and over again. And so when we recited the Apostles' Creed earlier, that is a creed going back hundreds of years of people who have gathered around God's Word and His Son, Jesus Christ, knowing there's good news for this place. And so as we continue into this mission, let's, let's do so with a sense of hopeful expectancy of God's surprise. I mean, honestly, that's, that's where I've been in the, the, the last nine months, is just constantly surprised. The one story that illustrates it better than others, we had a first-time guest come up to me a couple of months ago who, who just came up to me in tears thanking, thanking me for this church, not for, for the sermon or for anything in particular, but, but she'd come in and felt love from the moment she walked in the doors to the moment that, that she left. And what she told me was that her family had given up on, on church, they'd left church because of the last church they were just constantly discouraged judged discouraged no hope no gospel and one morning walking in here and walking out she felt loved encouraged heard the gospel and felt like God cared for her in her life and so that is what we're living for is for those stories for those opportunities and I have to say I hear thank you a, a lot and I I feel like this is a good morning to sort of return the favor back to you. This is an incredible place, and the work you've put in over the last nine months 
The, the thank you she spoke to me was to you guys as well. And as we continue forward in this mission, we're just getting started. Right? We're, we're only nine months old, so we throw up on ourselves a little bit. It gets weird at times. It's okay. It's, it's, it's just where we're at. It's a life stage. And yet we're laying a foundation that there will be a space in Shawnee and from now until the time Jesus comes back to tell a world with plenty of hell and brokenness and sadness and hardness, there's good news. His name is Jesus, and he is welcoming you into this space. So you and I, all of us, no matter what your role is, no matter how you volunteer, we have more work to do. We're, we're just getting started. But when I look at all of you in this space, in this room, I know three things are certain going forward that God will continue to do in this space. So one, we get to do this work together. Right? It's not on one of us. It's not, you're not by yourself. God is using us all together with all of our gifts to accomplish this work. Secondly, and this is my favorite part, we're going to have fun doing this. Right? We're not going to take ourselves seriously. We're not going to be uptight about everything. We're going to have fun as we serve in God's mission with a sense of hopeful expectancy. God's going to surprise us. Like we live in constant birthday party. Let me think of it that way. Right? It's God is going to surprise us. And so that's the direction we're headed we get to do this together, we're going to have fun doing it, and God is going to surprise us. It's the three things I know will happen in the months to come. This is a joy to do this with you. So really, I think the best way to end this, this sermon before, we, before I pray is just to say thank you. Thank you for your work. Thank you for this church. It's a joy to get to serve alongside you. Let's pray. God, I do give you thanks for your church. First, that it's founded on a gospel that's not built on any one of our talents, abilities, gifts, strengths, wisdom. It's built on an empty tomb Jesus came out of 2,000 years ago and announcing to this world a new kingdom was alive and well that had good news for the poor. The blind would see, the lame would walk, the deaf will hear, the dead will rise. That's the kingdom we proclaim. God, we, we need your power to proclaim it to keep us humble and dwell, dwelling in your word, and to keep us with a sense of conviction that we would not leave where you are following. So God, we ask you to lead us by your spirit now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the ways that we um, gather together is, as a family is, is through communion. Right, it's here in this space we say our confession as a church is built on the fact that it was his body that was broken for us, it was his blood that was shed for us. It's why we're a church, it's why we exist, it's why we're here. And so as a church, we practice open communion. If you're a Christian, a believer in Christ, we invite you to come and receive this meal. You don't need to be a member of, of our church. Um, we, you can come in groups of four to six to either side. We have a gluten-free um, option available on this side. I mean, as you come, uh, take the bread, dip it into the juice, and then you'll eat it together at the instruction of, of those who are leading you. So we invite you as you're ready to come receive this meal.